0: Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Sixter, allowing marketers to automatically inject clickable images called campaigns into every one of their employee email signatures to promote their company's most important initiatives, or content. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uber Flip. Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome back to the Content Pros Podcast. We have a really special episode today. It's just going to be Randy and I, and we've been talking a lot. We had Jeff Cohen on. We talked about a piece we were working, but we've been talking about content distribution and how you package up content and the process of content marketing. And I know for us at Oracle Marketing Cloud, we did the piece we talked about. We had a predictions piece, and a summary piece, and it's performing extremely well. We left the summary ungated, and we've gated the predictions. We actually have posts scheduled on the blog and on social going out for about two months. So it's something that we're using a long, long time, and we have a big cross-channel campaign. And Randy, I know you guys wrote a pretty awesome blog post on the Uberflip blog about the process of content marketing and some of the steps missing. So today, let's just dive into that, and I'll let you set the stage with what you guys wrote and why you're really passionate about it. And we can go from there. Yeah,
2: that's awesome, Chris. I, I, you know, I think for everyone tuning in today, this is almost like old school MTV unplugged. Uh, you know, Chris and I have been having a lot of these chats behind, uh, you know, behind uh, you know the, the microphone, and you know, we realized that a lot of this would make for 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 a good podcast. So we're going to try and recap a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. And I think it, I, I think I'm going to pick off up on something you mentioned earlier, which is this idea that we create content, and then we figure out how we're going to distribute it, right? And, and it's very naturally that's how we often think about content. You know, we, we start off by thinking about, okay, we're going to create something, we're going to send it out there, and we're going to figure out what works, right? So if we were to kind of you know, bucket those into three pillars, it would kind of be you know, your creation, your distribution, and your insights. Um, but one of the things that we've often said is, you know, what are you really sending out? Are you just sending out, you know content or are you sending out you know this experience for people to engage in and you know that's one of the things that you know I know you and I have been working on is is how do we take some of the content assets that you guys have worked really hard on um and and skin those in different experiences that work for the different outlets that we're going to kind of push out to so um you know maybe maybe let's give people a little bit more context to remind them this asset that you're working on. Um, And then, you know, some of the different channels that you may be considering, and then we can kind of elaborate more on what an experience could look like.
1: Sure. So we have two eBooks in the traditional sense of an eBook. So it's an eBook with over 30 thought leaders and we asked them, you know, what is their biggest takeaway from marketing for 2015? So kind of summarizing the year with a stat. So real data, you know, here's what I learned about 2015 from the marketing perspective. And then we surveyed those same folks and said, all right, and let's make a stat-based prediction for next year. So everyone always says mobile is going to be big, right? Mobile is going to be huge. Data is going to be big, all those things. But that's why we tried to tie it to a stat. So where, what's some data? What's your take on that data? and we turn that into two ebooks. Now we promote that on the blog, we promote that on social, we promote that on paid search, we promote that on paid social. Uh, we have tons of stuff that we're doing around that and we're really trying to build this big cross-channel campaign. So that's one of our main goals. Now one thing we had been talking about Randy is, you know, it'd be great to have that in an interactive hub where you could come in and engage with bits and pieces because in the truest sense, we're still promoting blog posts, social posts, and landing pages and sending people to the landing pages. So it's it's working well. We actually did a big um, data dump on our blog. So, you know, of all the form completions we get, roughly 33% of those are turning into marketing qualified leads from the blog. So it's a, a very effective channel for us. But one thing that we've been talking about with the flip, you know, kind of behind the scenes, behind the scenes, right, is um, it'd be great to be using a platform where we could have a more interactive experience and some ideas there might be helpful.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just to kind of break down some of the, the description and background that you gave to everyone there. I mean, the first aspect of what you've described is really creation, right? Is, you know, you guys went out there, you, you, you did this awesome survey, you got major thought leaders out there, you know, people you and I are fans of, beyond Jay obviously, people like Ann Hanley I know have, have, have contributed to this. A lot of that is is different buckets under creation. You've kind of got ideation there, you've got, you know, that workflow to actually get this into some sort of, you know, consumable content. But you know, one of the funny things that you, you jump to then is, okay, so now that we've got that, we're going to put it onto paid social, we're going to put it onto different different ways that we're going to distribute it. And one of the, f- the things that I don't think we challenge enough is what is the right experience for each channel? Right? So if you look at paid social as an example, and you mentioned that a lot of this content is, is an ebook format, is, is an ebook always the best format for paid social? Or do we almost have to tease someone down a path to get there? So I know one of the things that that we've kind of been working on with this side project, as you mentioned, is that maybe when we skin this for for a certain experience, maybe what we want to have is not necessarily the content living in e-book right out of the gate, but maybe we'll actually turn it into some blog posts, so we'll actually take Every one of the thoughts. So as an example, we could take Jay Bear's thought on 2016 or Jay Bear's thought on 2015 and turn that into into a blog post. And then if someone engages in that, the premium content or the call to action that we're gonna that we're gonna link to may be that ebook that we started with. So the idea is to create more of a path and give us the flexibility to play with the right experience for the right channel. Does that make sense?
1: It does make sense. And I think that's a very important distinction too. And and just to level set again for everyone listening, I mean, I I think 99% of us as content marketers, when we have to promote something that is supposed to drive leads, it's usually gated. We're trying to get people to complete a form. And it's always the difficulty of where do you send people? And we tend to have a blog post with a visual call to action at the bottom but even then, you're taking someone away to another site, to a landing page, which when you talk about the experience or I think that's really important because you know, we're conditioned to the blogs where the more you read, the more you scroll, you get the prompt to sign up for the newsletter and things like that. But I think far too often, we're producing great pieces of content. We put them behind a the gate because we have to drive leads. We have to measure that. And then we're pushing people either to the landing page, which is a you know, an abstract of a piece of content, not a ton of value just going there by itself, right? We're trying to convince you to complete the form or we send them to a blog post and we cross our fingers and pray that they click the link and complete it, right? Which we have metrics about that too. But there has to be something a little better than that. And I think, you know, whether that's Uberflip or anything that does something like that, I think that's worth talking about a little more too, because I think we're, most of us are all guilty of this.
2: Yeah, I, I think we don't think about the flow enough, right? I think we we get very caught up, as you said, in terms of conversion, right? You know, it's all about conversion. It's all about lead gen. And we've had a lot of people on this podcast who have told us, you know, you can't always think lead gen. I mean, lead gen can be one of the reasons you create content or some of your content maybe for lead gen. But we really need to think of that flow. And, you know, just, to, you know, one of the things I like to do a lot is is look at, you know, processes that we've done forever that we've just done because we've done them that way, right? And, and, you know, as you say, landing pages. To me, landing pages are, you know, one of those things that we're guilty of conforming to the norm. Right. I mean, we've always used landing pages and all these other ways, so that okay, let's just adapt it to kind of you to work for content. But when you think about you know, some of the problems that you alluded to with a landing page and content, is for one, we're trying to extract enough value on that page and throw that gate right there right away. Versus, what if we could actually create more of a, of a of a natural flow towards getting to that gated asset and make that gated asset you know, just gated without some sort of page to tease it, but actually use a piece of content that's higher on our funnel to actually ease us down into that. Does that make sense? Is that something that, that, I mean, we we try and do that a lot here at Uberflip just because, you know, we we have some of the good tools to do that. But I think, you know, when we look outside or I look at some of the stuff I engage with, I find that a lot of companies just try and force me into that landing page right off the gate.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I, I think that's behavior, right? I mean, we're conditioned as marketers to do that. And I, I know that I've worked at companies where the entire methodology was like big product announcement, webinar around product announcement, you know, gate that asset, do something with an analyst firm, promote it all on social media, then high five each other and go to the bar, and you do it again next quarter. And that was what we did, right? It was. Like this is the method. This is the process. This is what we do. And we've had this come up on a couple of podcasts that I can remember, the gated versus non-gated debate. And I think what you're talking about is blurring the lines there, too, because it's not a hard line drawn in the sand. It says like, okay, this is over here. This is over there on the gated side. It's more saying, you know, let's bring them pieces of content or, you know, individual snippets of content from a gated asset and then encourage them to get the rest of that content. So maybe you could talk to your stance on the gated versus non-gated debate, because I I do think that's a big one, no matter how much we talk about it. I think everyone sits there and it's like, oh, infographic, ungated. ebook, maybe it's gated, maybe it's ungated, depending on the type.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know... It really depends on the state of the journey as opposed to the format of content. And, you know, I think there's a couple of things out there that, you know, let's first talk about the guilty approach that we have of doing it by format, right? Some of it has to do with just the mechanics of how someone's going to get that. I mean, you know, eBooks traditionally have been these offline PDFs that people are going to download. So if someone can download it, we really want to make sure that they've almost like paid for it right so you know we put that landing page there but the tricky part there is that even if they download it especially with a PDF it's really hard with a traditional PDF to have a next step in that journey because we're now in you know in some cases depending on your browser you're now outside the browser inside of something like say you know Adobe Reader or even Chrome itself these days is you know revolutionary that it opens it up as a tab, but it's really an offline page. It doesn't give us that ongoing journey. So what we try and get marketers to think about and how we do it ourselves is really think about the path that we're taking someone down. And what that means is in some cases that ebook may be gated, and in other cases that same ebook in a different context along the journey may may be the opposite. So it's really about planning a path for for your visitors. And that path, in a way, has to actually start with who are your visitors and what's the channel they're coming in from. So if they're coming in as an example from social, Um, A lot of people who are on social, say on Twitter, they're gonna access that on mobile. So when they access that on mobile and they click on that tweet and they wanna click on that link to engage, if it opens up and it opens up to a gated journey, right? where we're gated right off the gate, it's really easy for them to simply click that little arrow in the top left to go back to their infinite scroll of Twitter content and on to something else that isn't gated versus if we can pull them into something perhaps that's ungated and really hook them in and make sure that at the bottom of that content, whether we have a call to action or whether we have a really relevant next piece of content, we've now looped them in such that they're now more willing to perhaps give, us that information on that on that next gated asset
1: got it yeah there's a lot of nuance there too i mean i think i i really agree with you that most people don't think through the experience i I think we just try to figure out what's going to be the gated piece what's the ungated piece and, and too often it's by channel do you have any examples of something you're really proud of where you did kind of think through that experience and knocked it out of the park
2: yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think, you know, before, before I give the example, just one more you know, descriptor to kind of throw an experience is the management, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things that we really overlook is that, you know, just because we've built a great experience and now we distribute it doesn't mean that it doesn't require ongoing management. And I think that's one of the opportunities that we don't look at enough is we don't look at all that historical assets that we have around experience. Um, and, and how do we take a blog post, or how do we take an ebook that we used three months ago and pull that into the journey that's where it comes into not just having people on your team who create content and those who distribute it, but those who actually almost act as the gatekeepers for content you know not to be confused with gating content, but you know someone who's almost the librarian right remember when we used to go to the library at school and we'd go in there and the librarian knew every book in that library. You know, I mean, forget about Dewey Decimal System. She just knew where every book was. And, and you really need someone on that team who can start thinking about managing those assets. And obviously as that library grows, you need good tools to make sure that you can leverage assets time and time over again. So you know, part of that, and you know, back to your experience, one of the things that, that we do in our own Uh, content strategy at Uberflip is we're marketing to a lot of people who have already bought a marketing automation solution such as say Oracle Marketing Cloud like Eloqua so what we're able to actually do is start to take different assets and create a journey down a path for those people so if you went to our content experience that lives at hub.uberflip.com you'd actually have a tab called marketing automation which is essentially part of our resource center And within there are a whole bunch of different content assets. Now, back to your point, Chris, it doesn't have to follow one format. We've got videos in there. We've got slide share presentations. We have blog posts. The idea is that the first asset may be different, and then the path that, that gets created from there has been set by the marketer to get you to that call to action that you want to arrive at.
1: Yeah, I think that's critical. And you were hitting on marketing automation too, which I think one of the natural things with any content experience is figuring out that tool set in the stack and, and actually making sure that things work together. Because I, I know that that's something you guys do with lots of different vendors to make sure that, hey, you know, we're we're going to create the experience for you, but we're going to pass along leads and score leads and do all the things you need to do without saying like, oh, this is a different tool and I track everything over here. So could you talk a bit to how that all works together too?
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's there's a bit of a a, a a wish out there that there was one tool out there that was going to do it all for you, right? For a while we thought those were marketing automation systems and then we eventually realized that marketing automation systems are very key but they're only as powerful as all the things that they integrate with. And I think that you can look at that from a marketing software lens, but you can even drill that down to the content uh, marketing lens. So on the on the marketing technology lens as a whole, I mean, we're integrating not just with you know other content tools, but we're integrating, like I said, with a tool like Eloqua, and we're also integrating with tools like Vidyard and Vimeo, and uh, you know solutions like Slide share and social channels to actually start pulling in all this content that's sitting on all these different channels. Now actually once you get into looking at the content marketing suite as well, uh, we're actually starting to see the need to actually have various aspects of your content management integrate as well. So the simplest way back to what we were talking about at the beginning to think about it is thinking about it not just as creation, distribution, and insights, but creation and then your experience and the distribution and then the insights. So when you think about what that means is it means that your experience really needs to mesh well into the creation tools that you've got out there. right? Um, you know, that could be you know, your old school Excel spreadsheet that you're using and making sure that you can plan accordingly and have roles in, in where you're creating your content and make sure that those roles turn into authors. And then on the flip side of that into distribution, it's making sure if you're using a solution, say, like Hootsuite, that that also integrates, as well as the insights you're using, whether it's Google Analytics or something more advanced, that you really start to look at it across the entire need of of managing content, not just the experience that we may offer or not just the lead gen aspects um, of your marketing automation solution.
1: And I think this is a good opportunity too to introduce our sponsor for the show, and that's Sixter. And one of the things that we've been talking about is you actually mentioned, Randy, that you need a, a source, a, a record of all your content and where that lives, and be able to repurpose that and reuse it. And we're working on this a lot internally across the global organization. And one thing you could use Sixter for is wherever that source of record is, you could remind people in the footer of your emails internally. So you could say like, hey, when I email my employees, I want to promote this asset or I want to promote this repository of content. So Sigster will strategically enhance your employee email to drive brand consistency and generate real marketing results every single time an email is sent. So that's S-I-G-S-T-R. They have three creative ways to unlock the power of email signatures. It's at bit.ly slash three creative ways. That's the number three creative ways. Randy, go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, I was gonna say. I mean, like Sixter to me is such an obvious one, right? I mean, we're that's that's that type of solution is on our radar, and I'll definitely be checking at Sixter in the new year because, like you said, it's, it's how do we use content not just you know for the marketing team, but how do we use content throughout the whole organization, right? I mean, you know, there's this mentality that you know because it's called content marketing that it's for marketers, but you know, really content marketing should be uh, made available and embraced by everyone in, in the organization. And and like you're saying, I mean, with Sixter, that's one of the most easy ways to get content down to your salespeople, right? Every email that's going out, you know, we should have a link to a premium asset that's sitting there that the marketing team, yes, has created, but now they're, they're making available to the rest of the company.
1: Yeah. And, and I think this is often underestimated too. And you know, the more I've grown into the role that I'm in leading content strategy at a company all over the world, right? It's it's one of the primary parts of my job to say, you know, not only are we producing this stuff, here's where you can find it. And I think too often our colleagues are actually going to our blogs and to our websites and searching for content when there's probably a better way to put them in the right place. And we use Oracle content marketing for a lot of that. Like we have an integrated calendar, but That's still not going to pull every single thing in because you have historical slide shares, historical infographics, videos, all the different types of content. So, you know, figuring that out and kind of marketing your own marketing is extremely important. And that gets to the experience, too, right? Because even though something's on the website, I think you could also assume that there are, you know, sales colleagues and marketing colleagues that may go to that and reference that to be reminded of what's out there and how to use it.
2: Absolutely. I I think, you know, everything you're talking about, I mean, you know, we, we envision often small businesses where it's really easy for everyone to collaborate. But, you know, content marketing is no longer this, you know, hacky way that small businesses are learning how to succeed. This is happening in really large companies where it becomes really complex. I mean, you know, Oracle, you know, where you work is a very large organization where the assets that we're talking about, even for the campaign that you and Jeff worked on, you know, There's so many people who could leverage those assets, talking about the trends of 2016. You know, th- those are going to come up in the objections that our salespeople people are, work- are, are dealing with. It's also going to go beyond sales teams. It's also going to be relevant at renewal deals You know for people who are you know, maybe questioning that investment, but they just need to be shown the right content assets to keep them engaged. So the, the whole idea is, is how do we use this content at every stage of the funnel? But again, just like we said at the beginning, how do we alter that flow? Because you know, we don't need to use that same asset to to generate a lead with the existing customer base who needs to be retained. In that case, we need to put some sort of call to action that maybe gets them to sign up for a webinar to brush up their skills. So how do we take that same asset, and this is where we come back to the management of our content assets, how do we frame that in a flow with the right call to action, speaking to the right user at the right stage of the funnel?
1: Yeah, and we actually haven't talked a ton about globalization on Content Pros. I mean, we've had a couple podcasts, but one thing that everyone always forgets, and we just had a big emerging markets meeting you know, this month at our company, and you know, we're trying to launch in other places, and there are 14 other languages that we're actually focused on and have to consider right now. So when you say, oh, yeah, we're also working on markets in you know, APAC and in EMEA, and you know, launching in LATAM and, and all of these other places, it's like, whoa, how do we do that as a content team? How do we make sure everyone's on the same page? Because the concept of an emerging market is totally different than what we're used to here right? They may be starting the journey with marketing automation or starting the journey with creating a content strategy or, you know, building out a hub and spoke model. They may not have a a hub. They may not have a website. They may not have a blog. They may not have marketing automation. So how do we take our content and make it applicable for those markets too? And a lot of that is slicing and dicing to say, hey, we might have this 14 page comprehensive guide, but what they actually need is a two page overview. So, I mean the complexity of this is is actually great and it requires strategic vision to figure this stuff out. I mean like you said Randy there's not one tool to do it. It's actually mapping all the process and the business insight and then creating that experience based on what you have to accomplish.
2: Yeah, like a really simple way is is I hear you describing it, like if if people listening were to think of the evolution, in the past it was good enough for us to put up a landing page and put a single piece of content behind it and target people with that. Whereas now what we almost need to do is take that landing page and explode it, right? Really create a journey for each person we're going to engage with, each cohort or each campaign that we're going to go out. And to do that, you know, it's not easy. I mean, like, you know, marketers, we, we're not, you know, experts at building beautiful websites, you know, pulling together HTML and JavaScript and CSS, you know, to come together into something that looks great. We have a great vision for it. We can brainstorm these ideas, but to your point, we need tools where we can gather all the content assets, you know, sitting in various tools we're using and also management tools and be able to put those out in the moment the same way we've historically done
1: with landing pages. So, Randy, we're coming up on the end of our time, and I'm curious, what are some of the takeaways where marketers and content marketers can get started with this? Actually, thinking through that experience, what do you recommend to take this back to the desk and actually start on this?
2: Yeah, I, I I think the first thing is really to take a look internally and figure out okay, have we prioritized the experience? You know, is it something that we're actually looking at and saying okay, we have a way to get content experiences out? And I'm not talking about landing pages. Landing pages are great; they're great for you know testing copy and doing certain things. But really, do you have a way to grab all the various tools that you have and get those out? And and short term. Yeah, you know, this is not a long-term solution. That could even mean an internal resource. That's not going to scale. Someone internally who can build these pages for you—it won't scale long-term. But you know, being able to do that internally and showing that maybe what you need to kind of prove the value internally and prove how much more personalized you can make these journeys. But then what you need to do is you really need to take a look at all the assets that you have, and that really means pulling everything together, not having content live in these silos, as, as we often think about it, but actually looking at, the, at all that content like the librarian would to be able to pull the various pieces of content to tell the right story. Right? Determining whether or not you have the right tools to do that, to me, is the second key aspect of it. So you, know, you start with you know playing around with do we have a way to, to generate experiences and then looking at what assets we can pull from once we have that, you really need a way to make sure you know what 's working and that 's the third part that we didn 't really even get to today right um, you know it's it's one thing, as I said, in terms of scalability, having someone internally who can kind of like push out these great looking you know, elaborated landing pages with content assets is great, but it's gonna be really tough for them to, to loop that into your Google Analytics efficiently, loop that into your marketing automation efficiently, loop that in so that you can understand what authors are creating the best content for you. you know, really going back to the content so that we know what to invest in on a go-forward basis. So I think you know, those are the three things to kind of evaluate yourself on is Do you have a way to create these experiences? Do you have a way to see all the content that you have out there in the wild? And then the third is, do you have a way to actually figure out what's working?
1: I love it. And and this is usually the part of the show where we ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up. And we've done that for you, Randy. So on (laughs) episode one of season two, but the experience and thinking through the entire process actually made me think of the first business I started. And I was actually five I was five years old when I started my first company, and I was renting out video games. It was pretty much like Gamefly, but for the neighborhood. And the problem, you know, I had this great strategy. I had tons of Nintendo games. I had them organized. They were a dollar a day. It was really simple. Like, I had my marketing plan. I knew my market. You know, I had five. But I the thing I didn't think through were late policies. So basically what I did, I sold all my games to friends for a dollar, and then when they moved away, they just took a bunch of Nintendo games with them for a dollar. So when we talk about experience, like, there's usually a trap, and you have to think through everything for content marketing because if you don't have that late fee, if you don't have the way to capture and measure, it's hard to measure success then
2: absolutely it's it's funny uh how our sophistication and expectations have changed over time it's only gonna get trickier i'm sure
1: oh yeah all the time man all the time it is not easy
2: no no Anyways, Chris, this is fun. Uh, we should do this more often and you know, it's fun talking about our businesses. And uh you know, I urge I urge people listening to Content Pros to you know to do the same. You know, find people you know who are doing what you're doing at another company and just exchange stories. Because that's you know, a lot of the time that's what Chris and I are doing behind the scenes and it you know it, it sometimes helps you uncover opportunities or look at things from a different lens and uh, hopefully we're able to do that for everyone today.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it was fun, Randy. We'll have to do it again. Maybe next time we'll do a late night version over drinks and like really rant about the industry. That'd be fun. (laughs) Fantastic.
2: Now (laughs) now we'll just have to loop Jay there and and, and then then it'll be a a serious draw.
1: There you go. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining the Content Pros Podcast. You can follow more at contentprospodcast.com. As you know, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. Personally, I love Pocket Cast on my mobile phone, so you can check that out. If you have the time, please leave us a review specific to this episode. Let Randy and I know if you liked it, if you like us talking together, or if we need to have a guest every single time. Because if you like us talking together, we can do more like this. So I'm at Moody on Twitter. Randy, you want to give your handle so I don't butcher it? Yeah, no worries. It's at RandyFresh. Okay, cool. That's what I thought, just making
0: sure. So thanks,
1: everybody, for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, and by Sixter, and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by AudioBag.com.